This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. Check this out. Oh yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. I have my long-lost brother (laughs) on this podcast today. We got Jeremiah Stone. (laughs) Like, Hello, hello. How are you feeling, man? This is kind of crazy for me. I got to say, like, we had... I've been called Jeremiah so many times. I, and I've been called Jermaine a few times as well. <laughs> this is this is hilarious, man. So thank you for joining us on the show. You know, Restauranto, amazing chef. Um, but also from our conversation, a big hip hop fan. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Like that that's really important to the wine industry. I think there's not enough of us that see each other, you know, here on wine and hip hop, we're all about helping everyone understand how dope the wine industry really is and the people that make it up. So thank you for joining us on the show. Um, but I got to say, I, I didn't see you at any of the family reunions lately. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got to ask, man, so what, what nationality are you? So I'm 100%, 100% Chinese. Um, a lot of times people think that, I, so my last name is Stone. So my birth certificate is my father's name. It's my... Um, Actually, it's my father's name, and his brother uh, and his uh, his two brothers, one of them before they passed away, they both changed their name to Stone um, because what our Chinese last name is, is Stone. So it was a transliteration. When he came to this country, he was 17. This was 1950-something. Um, you know, he decided to take what would have been Stone in Chinese and just make it stone so that's been the and i'm really you know i'm i'm a person of like there's a lot of meaning to that for me it's the name that i was given to me it's the name like we we basically started a new family tree and i really you know that's something that's really important to me because we don't really have deep deep roots we don't really know a lot about you know i don't know a lot about like my ancestry it doesn't go back that far in terms of what's recorded and you know there's different reasons for that but so for me, the Stone family uh, starts here in America, and mm. it includes just this very small. Just you know, I've my two parents, my three, uh, I've two two brothers. There's three of us, so we're all Stones. So when I, you know, I, I come across a lot of people who are <laughs> genuinely confused. Am I adopted or? But it's just it's a pretty simple story. It's just uh, that's dope. Yeah, it's just that. You know what? Because yeah, man, I'm like. You gotta be half Jamaican or something, man. Right, right. <laughs> well, then they like you know in the restaurant we do like we have we were doing like the jerk hot sauce in the summer. Yeah. We have like the jerk shrimp on right now. Um, a lot of times, sometimes like I remember I was getting an apartment and my name's my first name Jeremiah L Stone, and this guy he was like you're not Jewish. <laughs> so it's like I get all sorts of it just like confuses people all across the board. But it's, uh, yeah, it's just one of those funny things that I, I used to get called Jermaine a lot. Like, there was a bit of confusion. And, and I went by Jeremy uh, for probably, like, the first 18 years mm. because, you know, I was a little embarrassed of, you know, Jeremiah was like, oh, it's like, you know, Obadiah. You know, it's like a long yeah. kind of, it's a long name. It's, it's, it's hard for little kids to say. So I went by Jeremy. And then, you know, as I... You know, after I finished high school, so I'm gonna go by the name that I was given, Jeremiah. That's that's my, and it, it's ever since just then. Like, let me and just we're the exact same age, right? We're, we're <laughs> yeah. both exactly we're the, the same exact age. same yeah. age, man. This is so. Just in case y'all thought we was, I was bullshitting. We really are long lost brothers. Really, really interesting, man. The other thing, um, I know you got that hip hop spirit animal in you. So we ask all our guests, 
if you could choose a rapper that embodied your style and your spirit, Ooh. what rapper would that be? So who is your rap spirit animal? The crazy thing is I, I don't think I've ever been asked. <laughs> I've ever been asked that, right? You always get asked who's your favorite rapper, what's your favorite artist, you know, or, but never like, I would say, I don't know. I mean, like, part of me wants to say, like, food-wise, mm. like, as a chef, it's like, it's like Kanye. so 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 far out there it's commercial there's there's like everyone can get behind it but there's some things about it that are just that they're not right <laughs> in a good way you know you know like i like to think uh, hopefully i don't know i like to think food wise as a bit of it's ahead of its time and there's you know there's a, a bit of that but i don't know i think like just always always just resonated i don't know why just with biggie Um, you know, I think it's just like understated. It's flashy, but it's so in control. Um, I, you know, I, I hate to say that I'm anything like that. <laughs> Yo, look, man. That, but that's why I feel like the spirit animal question is so clutch, right? Because it helps you you know more about a person when you know how they see themselves or who they identify with true and who they aspire towards you know like so it's not about you know who you think you are it's like who are you aspiring to be right. like and i mean i think yeah, like you know like biggie has that sense of humor he's got you know he's always he was cracking jokes yeah. in music and outside but he's very you know there's a i felt like he was uh a person that was very focused yeah. and had an idea of what he wanted to do and you see a lot of these you know that's that's for me is like I really you know I, I know where I want to be you know I know what my goals are I know what I want to be I like to have fun but you know like I don't know I never you know Biggie never really got you know he never got caught up in things that he didn't need to right, right? you know unfortunately he was taken away from us but like I feel he would have been the, the biggest thing like had he had you know, not been slain, he would have been the biggest thing because he was so smart. He was so on top of what his, um, you know, what he, he thought he was, po what was capable of and what was possible for him. Right. And so I, I like to think that, I mean, I'm, I'm laid back. I'm very easygoing. I try to be not, you know, I try not to be stressed out in different situations. You got the biggie cool. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> you got that notorious B.I.G. cool. Like, you, you, you're right. You set the temperature. You're not the... You definitely, um, a friend of mine always says, um, be the uh, be the thermostat, not the temperature. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, good. You know, I so, like to listen. I like to feel the room. I don't want to, like, be a, you know, I don't walk into a situation and making a big noise. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe, I guess, Biggie. Yeah. And B.I.G., that's the thing. He was a master of his craft, man. Like, he really loved to rap. He enjoyed rap. He was a lyricist. He was to me. He was the definition of a lyricist, you know, because he would he would take words that didn't rhyme and then make them rhyme. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he. I feel like you know he's timeless, and he pioneered a lot of you know. It wasn't really about the sound, you know. It was like because if it was about the sound, then some everyone else would just sound like that, and then you wouldn't really you know the impact wouldn't be as big, right? Um, I feel like, and with food and with, with, with everything creatively that I like to do, I hope that in the future it, it comes off the same way you could look at something and not feel like it was out of place or out of time. And that's the true meaning of timelessness is not like that it, you know, I, I imagine if you're younger, you hear some of those songs, you, you, you know, they're not yeah. current day, but they could, if they came out current day, you would still like it. Right. You would think that person was doing something different. Um, but in a good way. So I, I think like everything that 
that he embodies with like just kind of you know at that time when he came out sounding different enough but never being you know only a couple steps ahead just being different in a way where today it's different yesterday was different yeah and tomorrow will be different you know no man big big was special and what bothers me about that shit is like he he changed lyrically like when right when he passed away that was when he was at his nicest point like that um he said that it was that freestyle um got stripes in new york like yankee uniforms like he was he really hit his his stride when when they killed him, man. So R.I.P. to B.I.G. Um, I'm hoping I don't want to follow that same trajectory. <laughs> no, so. no, 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 not at all. You 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 you. So any of those out that. there looking to <laughs> take me out? Exactly. Nah, man. This is this is dope. So and did you grow up in New York? Also, I, I was born in D.C. Okay. Yeah, I was born in D.C. and I um a lot of family up here, and my brothers went to school in Philly. Um, so I used to come up here any opportunity I could, mm. would be, you know, just be 11 years old, 15 years old. We'd come, I, was, I used to DJ. That's kind of how I got into, um, no, that's not how I got into music. That's kind of the extension of, 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 of what my love of music kind of turned into was, you know, I, um, fell in love with hip hop. That was kind of the first music that I, I fell in love with. And then, you know, I asked for set of turntables my mom was like get the fuck out of here so i found an old record player you know and i said i got into dj and i got a dj from seeing um a guy um who was filipino named cubert cubert mm. was like a dj that you know he scratched and stuff and i just saw it somewhere and i was like oh that's that and like dj honda were like the ones that i was like oh that kind of looks like me yeah you know participating in hip-hop so i got into hip-hop that way and, you know, we would do, we'd come up, you know, I was 15, 16 years old, hanging out with at least 10 year people who were 10 years my senior. Mm. You know, I remember carrying, carrying records, you know, my friend would, would, would they'd play all sorts of clubs. Uh, but how old were you at this time? Is when you're like, like 16. Yeah, 15 years old. Mm. I was, you know, I, I was out. I remember that era. Yeah. This is the club pyramid <laughs> days, you know? So my... My mother, like, I'm the youngest one. My mother was kind of like, she wasn't okay with it, but she was, uh, she tolerated it because she knew that, you know, it, you know, I, 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 I'm eight years difference from my older brother. And I think at that point, you know, she was tired. She was like, she could see me either getting in a lot of trouble. She kind of saw like what I was, it was on that, you know, that blur of like a lot of the people that I knew getting a lot of trouble and she she just wanted me to not you know be misbehaving mm. so she made these deals with me she would say you know i can't stop you from going out but like you know come, if you say you're going to come back at one in the morning come back at one in the morning mm. you know that's deep yeah and yeah like she, she like if i said I'd come back at 8 p.m and i came back at 8 30 it's like yeah it's I, all about like keeping your word she'd be chasing me around more house so with, and, yeah and anything exactly else, yeah. so it wasn't about the time it wasn't like she was you know she was it was she my, my father was was mostly working all the time so she was kind of you know raising me by herself and she was like look just respect the situation i'm gonna stay up mm. i can't sleep i can't sleep till i know that you're not you know dead or yeah. something i just gotta know you could come home so She'd see somebody come pick me up much older. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah, I don't she would say, like, why do all your friends have goatees and full beards? Like, what's like, up with that beeper? <laughs> she, she was like, they don't they don't look 15. And, and I'm like, no, you know, this is like, and I actually made friends with a lot of good, like, good people, you know, who right. were not, you know, who kind of already did their thing and kind of got out that, that energy of, like, maybe partying. And, you know, I had two friends that, that kind of, I, I came, uh, into contact with, they really schooled me on a lot of, a lot of the, the meaningful hip hop that really mm. shaped me. A lot of like house music, a lot of like history in, in the culture. And both of them actually were sober. They mm. they didn't drink, they didn't do drugs uh, because they 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 had real issues when they were younger. Right. Um, so I, I I never you know, I they kept me out of it. You know, 
they kept me they weren't you know it was a club scene but it wasn't a drug scene so they kept me out of it and they said okay come hang with us like you know this is somebody that's obviously directionless so we you know and you know how it is in hip-hop culture there's a lot of mentorship oh a definitely. lot of people don't really understand that like it's always about finding somebody who is who you see a little bit of yourself and they so many people took good care of me when i was younger when i could have been you know exploited or, or taken advantage of right and i feel like that's part of hip-hop culture is like there was a lot of passing down of information you know i got my licks too i got like you know slapped around told you know how to behave and that was kind of what shaped a lot of the things i was interested in was uh, you know someone saying you know what are you you know what are you doing like right. that's how i got into cooking mm. that's how i got into actually the, the ir- irony is that's how i got out of djing because somebody ah. just telling me like you know, we, you know, we all have to work, you know, we all have to have real <laughs> jobs. And I, and, and it wasn't like, don't pursue your dreams. It was just like, just be real. Look at how a lot of us struggle. We're all DJing, trying to rap, trying to dance, trying to write, whatever. And, you know, maybe perhaps pursue, a um, a career in something, you know, more conventional. And that's mm. how I got into cooking actually. So there's a lot of, you know, I, I came up with a lot of really good people that took care of me that I still keep in touch with now. And it's funny to see some of them. A friend of mine, he's an amazing DJ. You know, he used to he'd play with Q-Tip, with Stretch, with all these guys. And now he's getting into food. <laughs> he's doing the reverse. He's, yeah, he's in his 40s. He's <laughs> tired of DJing. He's doing barbecue. He's getting into food. Mm. So it's funny, you know, with, with food and wine, a lot of people I, I kind of see on the other end of it some people i lost contact with you know some people like um you know just go into different fields and then you link up with them later because they're kind of dabbling in your industry right and i think that's like an amazing thing to me no yeah that's crazy like to it's so funny that you transition from djing into cooking so we gotta ask what was the dj name all right, so I mean, I think you'll really appreciate this. It's a play. <laughs> Don't tell me it was Showtime because that was my name at that time. <laughs> it was DJ S Tone. Yo, this is crazy. S Tone, <laughs> it's good, right? This is amazing. So S, you know, Stone S Tone. Everyone knew me. Everyone used to call me Stone, anyways. Yeah. So uh, my brothers were always sto- like when they were in school, Stone. Yeah. So S tone people grab onto the name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think because, and then you know, it's like you don't see a lot of Chinese people like with the last name Stone. So I was, you know, I was S dash tone or mm. S tone, and it it was so it everywhere. Yeah, everyone that knew me was like, just call me S. You know, yeah. I was, and I was stupid. I would introduce myself like that. You know, <laughs> yo, it was S tone in the building? What up? <laughs> but people really, yeah, people who know me for a long time kind of like to throw it around. That's yeah. cool, man. Do you still play around and DJing at all? I don't, and it's not because, you know what it is? It's like I um, I think I was never really like a big party DJ. Mm. Like a lot of, you know, I did parties and stuff, but I was too focused on, I thought I was going to be like, you know, I, I was, I wanted to be part of a group. Oh, I yeah, to, like yeah. some, like, Eric B. Rock him yeah, type Yeah, I wanted shit. to scratch, and yeah. I wanted to play records for, like, artists, and I wanted to kind of be in that capacity. Right. Uh, and I wanted to eventually get in producing, you know, I kind of try to hang around a lot of those people. But um, I think that I wasn't really great at, at um, the party DJ side of things. So a lot of my a lot of my friends, a lot of people I grew up with were so much better at that. Um and I think that they're, you know, that's something you can pick up again. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to be at home <laughs> scratching, juggling, you know. Working up sweats, going crazy. <laughs> yeah, like trying to do the beat junkies thing, like late 30s at home, like my dog staring at like, me. I, like, I, what I are you doing? I don't, I don't got the time. No, I still have, I'm still, ha- I still have uh, thousands and thousands of records. I still have my, a lot of the collection. Um still play records often Dope. but one by one you know there's there's no two turntables and microphone it's just a turntable <laughs> just a turntable <laughs> yeah exactly so how did you transition from djing to cooking my first job was um a place that uh you know was it was good it was um steaks and it, it was it was i mean i guess i could say it's houston's hillstone yeah so uh, oh, I, I remember when it was Houston's too. Right, so it was yeah. you know they only really changed it for the calorie uh, 
because they had to name the calories or they list the calories when if they had so many locations. Ah. So they broke up all the names. So if you're in California, you had one name. Texas had a different name for the for the restaurants. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I got into it because somebody was basically telling me, "Look, I don't I don't think you're I don't think you're the next big thing." So maybe get into, you know, get into something a little bit more, you know, nine to five. And I, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't go to college. I barely finished high school. I didn't really know what that meant. And I, and the first thing that was available was my sister, um, my brother's wife, my sister-in-law was working at a restaurant and she was, um, saying, oh, they pay really well. You know, you could do like, you could work at the bar, you can cook and, and it was, it'd be a good, you know, a good, um, you know, job that you don't really need a lot of training for. You can kind of learn it there. And I said, fine, whatever, I'll show up. So I got a job there and I was uh, a bartender for the restaurant, like a service, you know, service bar. So no guests, just the whole restaurant mm-hmm. making like 30 Long Island iced teas, making, you know, like I was just, it was, it was hectic. It was really, really busy. Um, but there's a lot of similarities with bartending and cooking you know you have to have your 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 um your mise en place you have to have your everything set up you have to be ready for service um and it was it was a big lesson for me learning how to be organized setting up things so i did that and we were right across the the kitchen and i just kept looking at the kitchen and everyone that worked in the kitchen was there 10 15 20 years so they were really really good at whatever their job was grilling salad and We'd yell at each other across the, you know, like, have fun the whole night. Yeah. Then they started telling me to come back there and cook with them. So anytime I could, I would, you know, I would I would take advantage of the fact that, um, you know, I could learn something. Mm. Uh, and then eventually I just got into the kitchen. They made a role for me where I would, you know, do a couple shifts, helping expo, helping to, you know, cook when it got really slow. Um, and I did that for two years. And then... The the chef or the manager of the restaurant was like, "Go to culinary school. You're you're good, but you know you've reached a, a limit here." Mm. And and he actually, he's a he's still a friend to this day. And he opened his own restaurant like much later than than I did, so it was kind of a funny path that he, you know, he told me to go to culinary school. I did. I went on trajectory. I worked in Paris. I worked everywhere, and then opened my own restaurant. And then. You know, he he, Boom, he opened a restaurant. <laughs> he opened a restaurant much later, and I think that he um, hold up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just the kombu. Yeah, <laughs> I got a little I got a little pit bull here, just being friendly. Everybody um, on the show knows my <laughs> relationship with pit bulls so far. <laughs> no. She's no, the, cool. she's the friendliest of she, them all. She's the coolest pit bull I've ever met in my entire life. By the way. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if DMX would be into to this one. <laughs> she's a little too chill. Yeah, she's very but, chill. Um, Sorry yeah, about so that. you know, I I got into to cooking through uh, someone just telling me to just get a job, and then I think I, I I really I really realized that there was a lot of art to it. It was fun, you mm-hmm. know. We were just creating something every night, even though you know what, even if it was steaks, yeah. steaks, salads, nothing crazy. Every one of them looked different. You know, you still there was there was some nice, um, you know, intersection between art and uh, and just work. You know, mm. working hard, you know, which I always, you know, I've been working since I was thirteen. So I, you know, I was no stranger to hard work, but I was a stranger to kind of figuring out what what it would keep me going. Right. When did you realize that you had a passion for cooking? I think when I was there, I didn't really, it didn't connect fully about that that's what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. But I think once I, you know, once someone told me, Hey, like there's more than, than sandwiches and, and salads out there for you. Right. Right. I kind of was like, Oh, like I, I could see what you mean. I didn't know any of the restaurant, you know, I didn't know who was doing anything special. I didn't really know anything about wine. I didn't know anything about, you know, anything other than that one place. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I, I decided to go to culinary school and I decided to try and further that as much as possible. And, oh. I, and I think I, the mo- not even in culinary school, just the moment I decided to go, just as the moment I decided to, to make it a career, I, I was on fire. Right, yeah. right. 
that's interesting. And, and um, you know, uh, so backing up a little bit in, in hip hop, um, we talked about Kanye and we were talking like off air a bit about um, some of the current hip hop that you're into. Right. Um, who are some of the artists that are inspiring you right now? Like people that are out, like who, who are you fucking with? Like I'm, I'm really, it's funny cause in the, in the restaurant, I let anyone that works here listen to whatever they want. Mm. So it's not always what I want to hear to be honest. Right. Um, because I think it's like, you know, it's not, it's me and it's a lot of other people. So we take turns and everyone plays what they want to play. And, uh, but like when for I, the whole night here, yeah, oh, well, no, for the whole night, it's, it's mostly my partner does the music because, you know, we, we, it's not what he really likes either. He likes pretty heavy music. He likes hardcore. Uh, he likes a lot of punk hardcore, but what we play in the restaurant is kind of what he imagines people want to hear <laughs> when they eat. <laughs> You know, so what I listen to separately is, and what really gets me excited is, is just so different. Um, I mean, right now it's anything from, I've been really into like, just like, I never listened to reggaeton and I've been into like Bad Bunny, wow. J Balvin right now. Mm. Um, like in hip hop, like all of the Griselda, you know, artists, Conway, Westside, Westside guy I've known about for a long time. But, I mean, actually, Benny the Butcher is my favorite, all of them. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, we always, um, we just go, we just constantly send each other old Cam, Jewel. Like, <laughs> so I'm in the gym, I'm like into the new gym stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, gym is Jim is Like, Jim right is now. working hard. You'd appreciate this. So our next show, all the music was done by the Heat Makers. I love that. Yeah. kind of the sound that is it's it's so like it feels so attached to kind of like new york and and that yeah. that dipset era you know that mid-2000s dipset era music um so like anything jim comes out with like it gets me excited uh, I've been listening to. Uh, I can't stop listening to that um, that Hit Boy record. Mm. You know, I love the I love King's Disease. That's like even though it you know it's it's last year. I'm like it's on repeat. Yeah, you know? still I can't stop listening to it. Yeah, that that um <clears throat> I used to be at the tunnel. <laughs> so yeah. Like that joint right there. The way that comes in, Hit Boy had a year, man. Yeah, Hit and I Boy. think people don't really understand like what, like financially, like when a producer has that many, you know, like I, I'm so happy for that because I think, like, I mean, I think in the last 20 years, it's been, it's it, things have changed so much, but I mean, to see a producer get, you know, seriously get on the grind like that, it's, it's amazing. The producer, yeah. I will say this though, I feel like. Um, the Benny and Hit Boy one kind of missed a little bit. Really? Like, lyrically, I think, ben, like, for me, Benny was at his best on the joint with him and Harry Fraud. That whole album, like, that's that's the Benny the Butch I want to hear. I feel like on the one with Hit Boy, the production was, like, so polished that it was, uh, uh. I was not used to Benny on, on that style of record, you know? The only, for me, the only issue on the, on the Hip Boy Benny record that I had a problem with. Well, the two things I thought it was too short. Yeah. I, I appreciate the eight, you know, eight, nine, that's what they do. And that's, you know, and even Kanye did that, you know, like kind of trying a different format, you know, there's no yeah. interludes or nothing. It's just, yeah. I just think it was a little too short. And I know that because I played it and, I, and you know, when it gets back to the first song, and you're like, like already, already? <laughs> you know? and then the songs are too short. Yeah. The songs I don't know are if short. that makes sense, but yeah. like, I don't know. I kind of felt like the songs were too short because especially I think they that whole Griselda camp is so used to the they're they're so into like it's an experimental kind of like storytelling. You know, it touches it's a little bit ray, it's a little bit of like almost like modern day, yeah. you know, slick, but it it doesn't have I feel like a, you know, why not play into a little bit more of the chorus? 
do a Brit, you know, yeah, that, you know, yeah. like the, the classic songwriting style. Um, but I just thought it was too short. And by a, a, a secondary product of that, I just th- thought that like, maybe because it's too short if they had four more songs maybe there would have been like some really interesting stuff in those other songs yeah. i don't know if that makes sense because it wasn't written but yeah you know i, no, I kind of thought I, it was missing a few tracks that's yeah. it yeah i like i like when benny because so for him like the wordplay was there um the message was there but i feel like bar for bar lyrically as far as the metaphors just didn't connect it as it didn't it didn't it wasn't to the, the level that he usually does. Like, I felt like, I mean, that could be anything, right? Because he was putting out, they all put out so much music. Yeah. I wonder bad. if they really, you know, I'm curious if they wrote for each producer or if they had stuff in their head or on the pad. Yeah. And, and kind of like, depending on, because it was all back to back. Everything yeah. that came out was 2019, 20, 2021. 20, it was all back to back. Who knows? when things were written i wonder if you switched you know yeah. different different vocals on different tracks it yeah, would be a completely work. different song yeah yeah, yeah. no that's true and conway so i actually feel like conway is the best rapper out like out right now lyrically shh, dude everything that he drops like he didn't disappoint on on the album no. and um what was the most recent one? The La Machina? Yeah. Oh, no, there's... I, I think he has one on top of La Machina. He did three because he was talking... Yeah, he did three between 20 and 21. Yeah. He he did the one with Alchemist. Right. And then he did the um, uh, the King thing. I forgot. It was... Uh, the one where he has the crown. Yeah, yeah, where he has the crown. He's looking to the side. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, See, that's the other problem with coming out with too much music it's like <laughs> you know you're into it but as an album you kind yeah. of you can't keep track of the yeah the bodies of work right. but i give them this like them and um currency i think does a great job about this because they put out so much music but every project has a completely different feel yeah you know it has a different sound different feel and that's a body of work to me you know like i, I we were talking a little earlier about um, the way that music happens now and the versus the way that it did before. And, you know, albums were the thing. Everyone focused on right. a complete full body of work. But now it's just cramming a bunch of songs onto. Well, no, I, let me not um, discredit what's happening right now. It's a lot longer um, project nowadays because, you know, streaming totally changed everything. Right, right. And I think it's, it's, it's like no one's ever going to think of it that way like in terms of streaming versus um the way an album how long an album used to take to be the longest thing about an album um the longest association with putting an album is the promotion of it right (laughs) the promotion the playing of it that obviously always takes longer than the recording of it and that's what i always felt like you know it either made great albums because it kind of came with whatever like came with performing at an award show came with you know doing uh you know all these different things where the the songs would would come to life but now it's like they got to make money on the streams and i think that it it's it's great it makes sense you know like if you put out i I think if you put out three albums in a year at the same amount of budget as putting out one and you're you're talking about making money directly from the streams that's amazing for the artists Mm. you know and i think that's such a special thing um that i don't even care about like how it like i'm not like oh it's not five mics you know right. <laughs> like I, whatever just like <clears throat> if there's four good songs in one album and there's 10 on whatever just put it all together we'll yeah. just listen to it you know what of the good tracks are yeah definitely it's kind of like, I, I look at it the same way with um when i go to eat and sometimes you know I have like a tasting menu or like have something like i don't need everything to be the most you know a mind-blowing dish mm-hmm. you know i don't need to have every glass of wine in the tasting like be amazing um or every cuvee from the winemaker i just need a couple of moments that are just like life altering and then the rest of it it comes with the business everything is business you yeah. know even with the winemakers they got to make you know they got to make cuvees so they can sell 
it's yeah. not all going to be, you know, I, I've, I've done full vertical tastings and tastings in vineyards where like, you know, everything's been really, really great. But like, you know, there's things that just stop you in your tracks. Yeah. And I think that's just, it's a lot like an album where it's like, you know, you can't really just put your feet in their shoes. You don't know what it takes to, right. to, to survive as an artist. You don't know what they need to, you know, how many, how many streams they need. You don't know how many bottles of wine somebody needs to sell to support their family so I, I i appreciate it all like when i have like three good wines from a winemaker and they make 10 i'm like i don't care it doesn't make it doesn't make them less of a of a good winemaker right. you know it doesn't make you less of an artist like i was my mind was blown from those two tracks four tracks right. out of 10 you know it's funny i never thought about it that way <laughs> there's a person i'm not gonna say who there's a person there's a reason that i think like that and there's a yeah. chef who I never thought every dish was amazing. I go eat at the restaurant all the time, and people had all these complaints about it. But I just would always say, "There's some dishes mm. that were just would speak volumes for all the other ones that missed." Yeah, you know, that's you know that's a very um, that's very insightful. You know, that's a like a good piece to take away. Like, not everyone's there are a lot of good chefs, but not everyone's built to have their own restaurant. That's you true, know, too. because you have to think with that broad view and in that exact way that you broke down, like for you, what what made because not everyone jumps out there and says, like, yo, I'm going to be I'm going to own a restaurant or have several restaurants. What um, what changed for you where you said, I want to make this jump into doing my own thing? I think when when I, the reason I got. Like, I was kind of like, oh, restaurant, maybe something else, private, you know. Obviously, never outside of food. Um, but what really solidified it, restaurant for me, was uh, I was working in Paris. And I, I moved to Paris illegally, and I just lived there. I was working, and I uh, worked at a restaurant, really small one. And I just knew that um, it was the only place... And it was, I had been working in a slew of restaurants that were like, I'm in the basement, I'm in the way back, no one can afford it. None of my friends, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't relate the food to who was coming in. Mm. You know, I remember we, I worked at this restaurant um, in Midtown and Pharrell came in. And you'd think I'd be excited, but I was like, there's no connection to me and this guy, right? Mm. I can't go say hi to him. He's probably not even having fun because it was a really boring restaurant. It was right. nice, but really boring. I'm not going to say where it was, but like, you know, it was just, I remember that feeling and I was like, I want to be touching the guy. I want to be like, I want them to understand what I'm doing. This is, he's probably having a meeting essentially, you know? Yeah. I remember like, that was the thinking. So when I got to Paris, I had worked in a restaurant where it was open kitchen. When you walk in the door, you pass by the kitchen. The kitchen was three people. Everyone said hi. You know, everyone, we basically had to, like, take their reservation or, like, check their reservation in if, if the, the person on the floor is busy. You were so interactive with who was coming to eat. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be doing something where I could actually have friends come. Mm. And I could actually have uh, people eat as a way of talking to them. And I, cause another thing was, I'm like, okay, if I do something, a private, uh, I do a private chef job, I work in a catering business. I can't like, if, if, if I knew you, then I couldn't say, Hey, come by, right. Come by to this guy's, come by <laughs> the Upper East Side, either this guy's house. Right. <laughs> I, there was no connection there. So I knew that the restaurant was where everyone could be together and you could come and I got to work six days a week, maybe you know, 80 hours, but I can see you and you can come say what's up because, uh, it's a public space and it, you eating is a way of me kind of communicating with you. So after that, you know, we, I have a partner, um, that we knew me and Fabian, he wanted to open this something. I want to open something. We said, we got to do it. We got to do it at home. We got to go back to New York. He was living in Denmark. I was living in Paris. So we got to go back to New York. We got to open in New York. Because we had kind of thought about doing something in Paris, but you know this is not my this is not my home. Right. We got to do it where everyone comes to, where every day of the year someone's going to stop by from Atlanta, from China, from Australia, 
from Antarctica and they're gonna come say what's up because they always, everyone comes to New York. And I already knew that, but I just knew that with food, that's what I had to do was a place where if you're on a business trip, you're visiting family, whatever, you come stop by. You come mm. by Contra, come say what's up, come eat, let me cook for you. And that's how that's how the first restaurant started. That's how we did Contra. Dope, dope. Yeah, man. Now, <clears throat> honest and honest question. Did the name Contra come from the video game a little bit? <laughs> so that everyone asks, you know, everyone wants to know, but it so for me Contra was the video game because you know we're eighties babies. Yeah. My partner is a little bit younger. Um and he's from Mexico. So Contra was actually Contra, you know, it's it's Spanish, it's Latin as well. Uh he had a friend that was in a band called Contra mm. when he was in high school. So he thought of this name. He said Contra. The first name was Matador. Uh just, you know, randomly. It was like a like a placeholder. You know, and we did, we did the name Contra because we looked it up and we wanted to know what it meant. Well, I at least I want to know what it meant. And in Latin, Spanish, it kind of means like you know, it means against, Con- contra, counter. We thought it was against kind of the traditional idea of a restaurant, hmm. against fine dining, against those things that you associate with 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 what a tasting menu restaurant is going to be. Cool. That's why we opened up super affordable. It was $55, five courses, every line cook in the city, every, you know, server could come in without breaking their wallet. Mm-hmm. And it was different. No tablecloths. The food was edgy. You know, that's what, that was the, the genesis of it. Dope. Yeah. Dope. That's, that, that's fire, man. That's something you can be proud of. And then, um, not just that, man, like pulled home a Michelin star. Like what, what went through your mind? when when that happened did you know it was coming or i mean we didn't we didn't know it was coming but we got invited to the party <laughs> and then they you know it was weird because they were like you should come <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I, I, I haven't been to many no not a lot of people have thrown me like a surprise birthday party i imagine what's it's what a surprise birthday party is like where it's like go you have a plan your girlfriend's like oh but let's stop by here and you're like but why and they're like but let's stop by here yeah. And you just so it was like they were like, "Come to the party. We think you'll like it." And we were like, "Oh, I don't know. That's weird, but okay." Um, I, I mean, every year that we from opening, people would say, "You guys deserve a Michelin star," and I hate that because I never want to, you know, I never want to believe in something that I didn't believe for myself. And I don't think we were ready, but people that were really generous and kind that loved this restaurant and said you deserve mission star and you know oh you're gonna get this year you're gonna and, I, and we, we, a couple of years had gone by i think we opened in 13 13 14 15 went by with no star and then 16 um you know they called and, and like there was some articles that said uh you know ah oh, restaurants that still snubbed from getting a star Hmm. And I started to, you know, I never needed the star for validation, but I always wanted to know that we could do something like that without all the things that restaurants that have the star have. Yeah. At least that was in my mind of like, you know, we built this place with, you know, very small budgets on the lower east side and we're constantly dealing with things like, you know, tossing dope heads out who were trying to like, you know, like harass customers yeah. <laughs> like remove graffiti in the morning yeah outside um, dining stuff yeah like yeah, <laughs> yeah like things that like you know you just don't deal with in midtown you yeah know? I, I we've had all sorts of situations we've had you know yeah les is real shit that's real new york like you are here it all goes down in les yeah Good, i mean everything. people really uh you know and then there's like there's another secondary there's another level of it which is like the weird you know college kids partying which is not it's isn't it's it's just a strange phenomenon but like they're just them just leaving all of their mess you know it's just like cleaning up things <laughs> like you know throw up and all this stuff like you know, outside the restaurant even have this here <laughs> yeah like so it's it's been like you know not the typical place you think would have be able to get a star so we were really proud you know in 16 we've maintained our star from then and it's really just been about um feeling like okay not that we fit in but just that we can do something with you know 
Imagine what we could do yeah. with the budget. Imagine what we could do with big investors. Imagine what we could do with a hundred seats. You yeah, know? yeah. And so when um, at the party, like once it was actually revealed, like what what was the first thing that went through your head? You know, I I love to say that I was not, um, you know, actually excited, you know, because I wanted to, you know, say I don't need those kind of things. But yeah. it was every cook. I think the first things you learn um, are the Michelin star is important. You know, at least it dates back to, you know, all the amazing restaurants that are supposed to inspire you back in France. I was like. Okay, that I I fall somewhere in the history of this guide, you know. It it's very specific. There's a lot of problems with it, but you know, hopefully we fall somewhere into it, and and I hope I can use it to kind of further some. You know, there's not a lot of diversity in there. There's a lot of misunderstanding with you know, of like how to, what kind of restaurants deserve these kind of awards, but. Uh, I felt like it was something maybe it could put, give us a little bit more of a platform to, to, to speak our truth. Yeah. I feel like it's important for spots like this to be on the Michelin guide because I mean, this is the type of spot I want to hang out in, you know? And I think they also realized that they had to evolve, especially around that time, like around 16. Yeah. That's when shit kind of started making a change, you know? And I feel like, them recognizing places like this is them saying like all right i think we need to figure our shit out yeah i think you know there's there's uh you know especially it's it definitely they wanted to be more progressive in, in america because they also knew that the the energy is different here especially yeah. in new york the kind of places people celebrate and love doesn't look like what it looks like in france in paris yeah for sure and there's a lot of one stars in paris that are just completely out of touch but they they fulfill certain criteria and like i'm fully aware that we would never be as celebrated in paris like we wouldn't have a one star in paris at least back in the back when but now if you look in in paris there's a lot more restaurants that look like this restaurant you know and i'm not saying like we inspire them but like they inspired a lot of like a lot of young restaurants a lot of people that you know people don't really realize that it's all like everything. I hate this idea that everything is like just one directional influence. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's always working in circles. So what, you know, us being influenced by what's going on in Paris, they are also influenced by what we're doing right. as well. Right. No, that's, that's, that's real shit, man. Um, it's, it's interesting to see. I, I love what you guys are doing. And so you didn't stop with Contra. Like, there's also wild air. There's also wild air. Absolutely, yeah. Now, when, how, why did you go from one place to two places? Like, what did you want to express when you opened the second spot? Wild, wild air was, was always a. The funny thing is, wild air was supposed to be a place that um, for the overflow. Mm. Contra was doing really well. Was busy, but you know, it was a whole tasting. It was a you know, you had to commit to that. We wanted a place you can get a. You know, some some sliced meat, some, you know, good wine. It was more of a wine bar to hang out at mm-hmm. before or after your reservation. Uh, and it just blew up and it became bigger See, than Contra. you too lit, man. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you got to no, stop opening lit like, places. You know, it's just really re- understanding. That's really what, what resonates with people is right. like having them be able to choose what they want to do, have fun. So we opened Wilder and it just took off. It blew up. Um the food, I think, was a little bit more in your face and a little bit more um, loud. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you it, do some wild stuff over there. Yeah. I think we, you know, we kind of, with Contra, I was, I really appreciated the subtlety. It was like, you're going to have five, six, seven things. So the subtlety is that they all connect, mm. you know, really simple dishes. And while there was always like being able to push it a little bit further culturally being able to push it a little bit further um, just in terms of like what, you know, we were able to sell. Uh, and so, you know, all the more casual fun things that we've been able to do has been at Wild Air. Um, and we've done so many different dishes and concepts. You know, we've had to change throughout the pandemic doing, sand- you know, we were doing the sandwiches and, and mm. that and donuts and the donuts have become Those like. Donuts. Uh, <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> see, 
this, I, 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 this entire interview, we would get into the donut. <laughs> right, right. That, no, I think that's everything. Is like every, you know, we have this big, you know, thought that like the donuts are the funniest thing because the donuts we, we have that we make the smallest amount of everything is donuts, right? Like the donuts doesn't make us money. The donuts is like a lot of work, but um, it's just the proof that the quality. Like anytime you do anything with quality, anything you do anything that's really genuine and fun and you involve people in it, it takes off. Yeah. So we've been doing donuts with friends. That's really the brainchild of Fabian, my partner. He's, you know, just hits up anyone that, you know, uh, has been wanting to work with us in different capacities, but not maybe, you know, maybe they're not chefs, maybe they're not. Uh, food professionals so we did one with like our friend eric Wareheim, who's a comedian we did one with um you know karen and shipka she's actually like these are people who are not in yeah. food but it's a way for them to enter into the conversation and have fun because it, they want it they they're like donuts yeah we, we love donuts <laughs> of course i like donuts that's dope man yo bro i gotta say i'm i, I love what you're doing here i love the contribution please if there's anything at all that the other jay stone can do I'm very close. All you got to do is hit me, man. I, I think may, mostly just make sure my invitation doesn't get lost in the mail <laughs> for the next reunion. <laughs> I got I got to make sure we get you out to Jamaica, man. Asap. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I'm I'm I think I'll be you'll be you'll regret it cuz then <laughs> you know, they'll be like who brought the fun one? That's the that's <laughs> like I they just going to say I knew it this whole time. I knew, I knew, I knew. Nah, man. No, look, you know, there's a lot of Chinese Jamaicans. So for sure, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I used to work at a record shop, and I had to deal with, um, you know, all the ordering. And I remember calling up Victor Chin, who is the VP, the v, the VP of VP. Yeah. And I called call it uh, VP Records, and you know, I talked to this guy, and he's, he's got a thick accent, you know. Not speaking patois with me, but like yeah, you know, like you I can, can hear, hear it. it. Yeah. And then like I remember asking my. Actually, the crazy thing is that record store I worked at. My boss, who was a, a friend of mine, her last name, she was her, she was a Stone as well. <laughs> she was a Stephanie Stone, and she said, uh, you know, I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm I gotta call VP Records, order some more, you know, Beanie Man or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was like, oh yeah, she's like, yeah, Victor. He's like, he's cool, right? Like. You should look up. Uh, you should go look a picture of him. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, like Victor Chin." And it was like, it's crazy because he, he, you know, he looked like a distant uncle of mine, <laughs> and he had the thickest Jamaican accent. And I was like, "Oh my goodness, I love this. I love it." Yeah, I remember. I was. Um, I had. I think my first time. My first time in Jamaica, I was five. But this point, I had gone back. I was probably about seven years old, and it was the first time I'd ever seen like a Chinese Jamaican. I. I didn't understand what was happening. His right, right. accent was like, what the fuck? Like, I was so confused. So so when I when when we connected, I'm like, yo, this dude is definitely Jamaican somewhere. So it, it's interesting that um that that we connect here in New York, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we got to do something. We got to collaborate. People got to know. We'll figure it out. People got to know we found each other. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Joy Luck Club moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yo, man, I'm I'm gonna just call you Jay. Well, well, Jay, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank this was you for fire. having me. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, y'all. Peace. One. Thank you. This was a moment in wine and hip-hop, brought to you by Crew Love.